welcome back for another episode of Wade for Wireless. With all your wireless updates, news, and information, just sit back and relax. Hey, how you doing? This is Wade with Wade for Wireless, and today I want to talk to you about what is the broadband spectrum repack? Because it's something that we talked about here for a little while. And now that the auctions are over, people are still curious. Not everybody really understands it or understands what the next steps are or knows how much work there is involved in this. But first, I want to thank Tower Tracker Pro, towertrackerpro.com for putting out such great tower inspection, tower closeout, tower log software as a service. What they have is a service where you can walk through your tower site closeout package step by step by step. So the tower crew knows exactly what to do next, what pictures to take, and they can do it all real time. And before they leave the site, they upload it to the cloud. Somebody back at the office checks it and makes sure everything's good before they even leave the site. One site visit. That's key. I also want to thank Tower Safety and Instruction. What they do they actually have tower classes for tower climbers. And they also have Tell Tech College. Tell, T-E-L-T-E-C-H hyphen college dot com, which has online classes and drone training. That's right. You can get certified for drone training by on-man aerial experts in the field of tower work and drone work for towers. That's right. Also, I have the LTE Deployment Handbook for Small Cells, CRAN, and DAS, and I have the 5G Handbook, and soon I have the Smart City Tech Planning Handbook coming out. That's right. That should be out, ooh, let's say, in a month or two. I'm hoping in August. So that should be out in August. So I do have a new book coming out. But now let's get back to what is this Broadband Spectrum Repack? So I've been following the uh, repack for some time, and I thought it would be good to talk about it. So first off, what is a repack? What it, what, what's been going on? The FCC had two auctions. They had one to get the spectrum from the broadcasters. They, what, what the FCC wants to do is provide spectrum for the carriers. They know we need more spectrum. So in order to get all this 600 megahertz spectrum, they decided to buy it back from the carrier. I'm sorry, buy it back from the broadcasters. So how are they going to do that? Well, they're going to do one simple thing, something they're good at, and that's have an auction. So they auctioned it back to, from the uh, broadcasters, meaning the broadcasters had a chance to get paid for their spectrum. How did the FCC raise money for that? Well, they had another auction for the carriers. So one was like a reverse auction to get the spectrum back. The other one was a normal auction to get money from the carriers for the spectrum. So if you didn't hear, the big winner in the 600 megahertz spectrum, oh, this is all in the U.S., by the way. The big winners for the uh, spectrum repack for the carriers, it was really T-Mobile. T-Mobile dominated. Verizon didn't really participate. AT&T bought a little bit. Comcast and some of the cable companies bought some. And a lot of the smaller carriers bought some. But T-Mobile was a big winner. T-Mobile expects to roll this spectrum out nationwide, which is pretty awesome. Congratulations to T-Mobile. But what about the other side? You know, on our, on our end, we always hear about the carriers. The carriers get more spectrum. Yay. What about the broadcasters? The broadcasters got paid for their spectrum, but for them, it's not over either. Just like T-Mobile gets to build out this spectrum nationwide, 
the, the broadcasters have to change their spectrum that they broadcast on. That means chances are they have to get a new transmitter. Chances are they have to run new line, new antennas. It's a lot of work. So let's talk about it. So that's, that's basically what the repack is. It was two auctions held by the FCC here in the United States. One to allocate the spectrum to the carriers nationwide. The other one to buy back the spectrum from the broadcasters. That's basically what the repack is. So with that said, let's ask some other questions like what's involved in the repack? When does it have to be done? In other words, when, do all, when does all the spectrum have to be reallocated? How's the FCC keep track of all this? A lot of questions. So basically, we all know about the carrier side. They're just going to build out more base stations, small cells and things like that. But for the broadcasters, it's a lot more work. Well, let me put it this way. You have to look at the dynamics of the things. The carriers are very large companies, structured, thousands of employees. I mean, you can't really think of one carrier that has less than 1,000 employees. They have tens of thousands, many of them. So they're very large, structured corporations. Broadcasters, also corporations, but you also you have the individual transmitter, which usually just has one guy taking care of it, right? So they have to hire the tower crews. They have to help, get help to manage it. It's a lot more work than just going out there and telling your project managers, hey, I want this done, do it, work with the OEMs and so on. The engineers, the broadcast engineers have a tremendous amount of work to do. I mean, it's a lot of work. And they have basically three years to do it. I think until July 13th of 2021, that's when they have to complete everything. According to the timeline the FCC has, roughly, I guess, what is it, 17? I guess roughly four years. But they have to make all these changes. They'll try to do everything over the next three years. But that it's basically over the next four years that they have to do all this. So what do they have to do? They have to build up a new transmitter. They have to install new line and antennas. They have to move over to the new spectrum, bring the new equipment live. Then they have to take down the old line and the antennas. Now, and they also have to deconstruct the old transmitter. A lot of work, a lot of things to do. You have to understand, just as a high level, this is big equipment. You know, it's not not even like the five or six hundred pound cabinet that the uh, say the carriers might put in. So let's break it down into more detail. So the old antennas to be removed could weigh up to 20,000 pounds. You heard me, 20,000 pounds, up to that. They weigh thousands of pounds. These are huge monstrosities. These are beasts. The antennas could be, they're generally over 700 foot up, 700 feet up. You heard me. They could be up to 2,000 feet in the air. That's right. For all you guys that do tower work for the carriers that complain about climbing 150 feet, Broadcast climbers generally have to go up, you know, 700 feet, 1,000 feet. They go up pretty high just to work on this stuff. And in this case, they're not only going to be going high, but it's very heavy. So you have 20,000 pounds up there on top of a tower that's roughly, let's say, 1,000 feet. Now, the coax generally are copper sections that weigh over 50 pounds per section. Very large, very heavy. You know, it's a lot of weight. You're not just going to throw it on the ground and hope your buddy uh, can pick up the pieces. You really have to be careful when removing this. Plus, it's very valuable. It's copper. The transmitter is big. Chances are it'll have to be removed. You're talking something that fills up an entire room. 
Now, the newer ones are digital. They just fill up a cabinet or two. So that's pretty straightforward putting the new one in. And I am thinking about some of the old stuff here. So it's going to be quite a bit of work. So the new equipment, you know, it's probably going to be smaller. Put it in. Cabinet shouldn't really be too bad. So if they have a temporary setup, they may set something up on low power until they finish everything. Now, when I say a temporary setup, they may have their broadcast, their new broadcast antenna lower in the tower where it's easier to manage so it didn't interfere with the main signal of the old one. So when they do the move, eventually they might have to go back and replace all that or add to it or make more changes. They could do a temporary setup. It's entirely possible. Uh, there's a deadline. I know it sounds like a long time, but it really does take time to plan all this out, do all that work. It's, it takes quite a bit for these broadcasters to get all this done. If they rush it, they'll tend to overlook things. That's when mistakes happen, schedules get impact. And the other thing they had to do to make sure they get paid for all this work, they had to apply properly, form 2100, schedule 399, so they get reimbursed for the money. Now, this is a big deal. Broadcasters, as far as I know, never got any money back from the FCC. I'm trying to remember if they ever did. Here, they can get reimbursed for a lot of their work. This is how the FCC is tracking it. And I have articles in here from, um, there's a website called repackready.com. They have news in there about it. Then tvtechnology.com has an article about the repack and the schedule. So they do have a schedule they have to maintain. It's pretty interesting. They had till July 12th. I know I'm a little late in putting this out. I was supposed to put this out like three weeks ago, but they had July 12th was a deadline for filing their permits and everything or their information for the uh, FCC. That was really it. So if they didn't do that, they might not get reimbursed all the money. And that was the goal, really to get reimbursed for everything they needed. Once again, I got this information from um, Broadcast Law Blog. And it was an article written by David Oxenford. So I, I, I would recommend like looking in my blog, wadeforwireless.com, Spectrum Repack, and just see if you can find that information. Now, there is a great video on this on YouTube that was put out by NAB, National Association of Broadcasters. And they sum it all up, everything you have to do for this. It's a tremendous amount of work. The broadcast engineers do a lot of work. I was, I was a broadcast engineer for three or four years um, and it was, I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. I loved working on broadcast. It was really exciting. The equipment is all high power, a little scary, especially coming from the carrier side or from the wireless ISP side, even microwave. You know, this is high voltage stuff, which I haven't worked on since paging back when they had high voltage. Everything was high voltage back then because in order to get the power, you had high voltage, you had tubes, you had klystrons. It's very exciting. In this case, the digital transmitters are a lot different. They're a lot more like what everyone else is used to dealing with. One, two cabinets, very straightforward, still puts out a lot of power. Anyways, it's very interesting how they're going to do this work. For the tower work, it's very dangerous. They'll either need a crane or a gin pole to get a lot of this down. It's just going to be a lot of work. And it's also something that's going to take a lot of planning. And they're going to have to watch over this all the time. And I know it sounds like three years is a lot of time, but you know how things go. Before you know it, it'll be late and they'll be trying to get all this stuff done. And one thing about the broadcast tower climbers, those guys are, in, are going to be in high demand over the next three years. So there's no way there's going to be enough of them. But this work can't be taken lightly. This is very serious work. It's very heavy. 
and it's delicate work. It takes a lot of experience to get it done. So that's something to think about. Now, the good news is the hardware and the services are going to get reimbursed by the FCC, assuming the broadcasters filled the paperwork out properly, but they're going to get paid no matter what, right? The FCC will give the broadcasters what they applied for, but the broadcasters, I'm hoping they didn't miss too much. I'm hoping they covered everything. Otherwise, they're going to have to pay for it out of the money they get from the auction. Just something to think about. How's it? And the FCC does track all this. That was really another thing the FCC is doing a great job with. They're really tracking all of the changes, all the expenses. They'll know exactly what it's going to take to do this, assuming everyone's being honest. So while this is interesting, and I, I really just covered it at a high level, I do have a company that can help you with this. A company that can really help you out is QCOM, Q Communications. Oh, it's QCOM1, Q-C-O-M, the number one, dot com, QCOM1. Dot com. Just let them know I sent you. They go over everything and they're there to help these companies work with the broadcasters. And what they'll do, well, they would have helped you with Form 2100 had I gotten this out on time, but they'll help you with the system audit, the system transition plan, engineering, cost analysis, project management, decommission of legacy and equipment disposal, post-install system testing, post-auction transition planning, Project management, RF engineering and field services, new system installation, integration and testing, engineering analysis and evaluation of the cost to relocate to an alternative channel, tower mapping, modifications, major and serious, as well as installation, HVAC services, interim solutions, engineer design, PM installation, impact study, studio and production control transition, and coordinating all the services and crews. Hey, listen, it's a lot of work. The FCC is going to reimburse you for a lot of this work. Why not get as much help as you can? Just plan it out. Another question people have asked me is how the spectrum is going to get allocated. The best bet's to go on the FCC's website and just understand that from them. But basically, the 600 megahertz is going to go over to the carriers, basically T-Mobile in this case, because they want a bulk of it. And they say they're going to roll out 5G, but the reality is they're going to complete their system. They are going to roll out 5G. That is true. But really, this is going to be a coverage play. T-Mobile is finally going to cover the rest of the country. That's very exciting. They'll be right up there with AT&T and Verizon covering the country and competing with them. They're the number three carrier, and they really expect to push for number two as best they can. All right, everyone. I put all this together. I have a bunch of links that can help you, a bunch of FCC links. QCOM can help you. QCOM1, the number one, dot com. They can help you out. This is something that it's, it's a very complicated technical thing to do for these broadcast engineers. And it's something that's going to drain your resources over the period of the next four years. But it's great for the industry because we have plenty of work. We have new spectrum. It's a win-win. The FCC really got creative here and I'll give them a lot of credit. One thing that's uh, exciting is now that T-Mobile can build out nationwide. Now that the cable companies actually have some real spectrum that they can play in, it'll be interesting to see what they do next. As far as the broadcasters, it'll be interesting to see if they can reach these deadlines and if they can get everything done. I also wonder if the resources are going to be so tight because there is a lot of expansion in the carrier network. The carriers are really going to be adding a lot to what they have. They're going to be have a demand on tower crews. And the broadcasters are going to have a huge demand on tower crews. K 
can we get all this done over the next three years? And then what happens after that, after say the next four years, I should say, in 2021, is all the work going to drop off? Is it going to be another big law and layoff and one more thing that's going to hurt the industry? Because the broadcasters were pretty slow for a while too. Now suddenly they have a lot of work. That's sort of how that industry goes. It's either feast or famine, just like the carriers. It's either feast or famine. The carriers are really trying to get creative with what they have. I don't see them putting up a lot of new towers, but maybe T-Mobile will in their quest to build out this uh, nationwide network. T-Mobile is going to be pretty aggressive, and I really see I see Verizon and AT&T really maintaining. I'm curious to see what they're going to do. AT&T is a ton of spectrum. I mean, they got to put something out sometime. I keep expecting them to do more, and it's just been disappointment after disappointment. What, what can I say? I love when we actually deploy, deploy, deploy. I love to deploy. I mean, really, it's exciting, right? All right. I'm just rambling now. Hey, everyone. Remember, LTE Deployment Handbook, TowerSafety.com, TowerTrackerPro.com, the 5G Deployment Handbook, and coming out soon, the Smart City Tech Planning Handbook. Be smart, be safe, and pay attention. See ya! <laughs>the wireless deployment handbook out there that's right at wadeforwireless.com you have the wireless deployment handbook that is on sale now and now it's available in paperback on amazon can you believe it wireless deployment handbook available on amazon in kindle version and paperback and also available in pdf go ahead check it out wadeforwireless.com